And you may be seated. Well, as Pastor Mike said, we are planning to be in our new facility, the old Gander Mountain building, next weekend. But I have been planning that since September. But I am really, 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 really planning that now. And a subcontractor assured me this week he'll finish his part, so we will wait and see. Uh, If he doesn't, I'm looking for some people to go pick it at his house. Anybody willing to join me there? No, I'm just teasing. Listen, but we really, we really believe we will. And uh, uh, we're planning on a prayer meeting. If we can get the permit by Wednesday, now listen, we're going to have a prayer dedication, just our church family. Bring your kids, and we're going to worship some, and then we're going to dedicate that building in prayer before we have our first service. But if we don't get the permit till Friday, we'll do it the following Wednesday. You say, well, how am I going to know? Good question. We send texts out every Wednesday and every Saturday as well as emails. If you don't get them, you, it's because we don't have your number. In the back of the chair, there's a little white card. If you'll get that out now, just give us your name, uh, your mobile phone, and your email, and we will communicate with you, and you can opt out in the future anytime you like. But uh, I want to begin this morning's message with a short video about some airline pilots getting ready to take off in this Learjet. And it's going to have a parallel to my message, but what I want you to notice in this is I want you to see the fact that there was a checklist that they checked off, that they were prepared before they were ready to get in the sky, and we'll have spiritual application to that. So take just a peek. Well, they made that look easy, didn't they? Tell your neighbor, we go fly. But before we go fly, we got to get ready for the takeoff. And if you know anything about airplanes, I mean, uh, an airplane is a lot different than a car. When I got in my truck to come to church last night, I didn't, I didn't check radio, check lights, check windshield wipers, check, check, check. All I did was, well, they didn't have to put the key in the ignition. It's one of those little flip keys. But uh, I just put my foot on the brake, hit the button, and off I went. Well, how many on an airplane, you want to make sure that several things are in order so you don't get up at 40,000 feet and all of a sudden come down to the ground? How many know the ground is very unforgiving? And they go through a detailed checklist. Well, in the same way that those airline pilots go through a checklist to get ready for the takeoff, uh, we've been going through an extensive checkoff with our new building. I mean, we've got this long list that the contractor is trying to finish. This room's too hot. This room's too cold. It's leaking over here. Uh, We're looking at things that we've just assumed in the past. But somebody asked the question this week, do we have toilet paper? 
And as you looked around the restrooms, you realized we did not. So we got on the phone and we called Abernathy and said, and they said, we'll have toilet paper and we'll have towels and everything else. But I say that kind of humorous, and that's in the natural and the practical. But I want to talk to you today about spiritual preparation. I want to talk to you, if I can, heart to heart as a mature Christian. When a, when a, a pastor presents a sermon... There's a number of reasons or a number of purposes in the message. Sometimes the message is to inspire hope. Sometimes the message is to encourage people. Sometimes the message is to preach Christian doctrine. But today, my approach is to speak to you as a mature Christian and challenge you with this question, am I spiritually ready to make the move? Because this is not just about going to a different location at Saturday night at 6 or Sunday at 9 and 11. This is about all of us finding our place and doing what God has called us to do. When I'm a young Christian, some would call it a baby Christian. Listen, I'm just glad to be a Christian, glad that I know the Lord and God doesn't expect too much of me. But as I grow and as I, as I mature, there's an expectation in my life that God wants me to begin to do some things, to serve Him. And this is my challenge to you today because how many know Satan and a million things would love to stop us from making a difference in the world? This is a church that truly believes the Bible is the Word of God. We believe heaven and hell are real and everybody's going somewhere. And it is our responsibility to do everything in our power to reach as many people as we can for Christ. Well, how many know that doesn't make the devil happy? That doesn't make secular America happy. Secular America does not like the proclamation of biblical truth. Well, how many know it takes spiritually mature people all in their place, standing together, doing what God has called them to do for the church to go forward and impact the world? And this is how I want to speak to you this morning. I want to speak to you uh, in a message titled, Get Ready for a New Beginning. And uh, I'm going to give you what I'm going to call a short spiritual checklist. When I was in the Navy many years ago, uh, I, I worked on uh, electronic gear for a P3 Orion. It was what you call a prop job, four props, and they would fly around the ocean all day long looking for Russian submarines. But the, the flight engineer and the pilots, they would spend a couple hours maybe on that plane checking hydraulic systems, checking the electrical systems, checking all the navigation systems to make sure that everything was going to run correctly so that they could get back home. And this is the parallel that I want to do this morning is I want to challenge you with a short spiritual checklist I'm going to have six questions I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you, are you ready in certain areas? And uh, we won't go real deep in any area, but we'll cover a broad picture of what I believe the Lord is asking for us as mature Christians. So let's begin this, uh, this morning a spiritual checklist. Number one, I want to ask you this question, but is my heart ready to go? Is my heart ready? This is clearly the most important thing before takeoff. And it's a bit ambiguous because the heart in the Bible is not talking about the physical heart that pumps blood. The heart in the Bible is about our inner self. It's our, our core values. It's who we are. And because of that, Proverbs 4.23 says this. Say it with me. It says, above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because everything you do flows from it. Your heart, 
Jesus elaborated on this idea when Jesus was asked the greatest commandment in all the Bible. Jesus said to love the Lord with all your heart. And then he added all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, perhaps trying to explain to us what loving God with all your heart means. It's my attitudes. It's my values. It's my priorities. Um, uh, it's, it's what's going on inside. And a very simple way to say this is Jesus wants to be first in everything in our life. Jesus Christ wants us to love him more than anyone or anything else. Now think about that. The unseen God wants me to love him. And this is a bit awkward or difficult to grasp, but how many know it's, it's hard to put Jesus first in everything? For me it is. Because listen, I've got a world out there trying to pull me in a totally different direction. I've got a world out there telling me all religions are the same. I've got a world out there telling me that the resurrection didn't really happen. His disciples stole him. Uh, I've got a secular world that's denouncing the Bible. And if that's not enough, my flesh wants to do things that are displeasing to the Lord. How many say my spouse has got some of that in her or him? Yeah, all of us have this in us. I mean, we have this desire to just cross the line and go in a direction. Well, let me know the Bible says we want to guard our hearts. Uh, Jesus wants first place. Uh, and how many know it's not just uh, the bad things that can pull us away? How many know our, perhaps our two most important things in our life outside of our spouse and our God is our work and our hobbies? Well, how many know as important as work in is the Bible extols work, how many know our work can become an idol? It can become our identity. How I many know as fun as a hobby is, whether it's riding bikes or whether it's turkey hunting or whatever it is, how I many know it can dethrone Christ from my heart? How I many know if I'm not careful, my hobby can begin to take first place in my life? So there's a battle we face putting Jesus first, but here's the wonderful thing I want to tell you today. We can change. How many can say there, I, I used to be a way that I'm ashamed of now, but Jesus has changed me? Come on, that I didn't change myself. It wasn't because of a New Year's resolution that I made, but somehow the living God captured my heart and has helped turn me into a different person. Well, I want to tell you this. God is not done with us. Wherever you are in this room today, maybe you have angry attitudes and you can't control a violent temper. Can I just give you this hope? God can help change you. Listen, maybe you're addicted to pornography. God can change you. See, maybe, maybe, who knows what it may be, but I want to give you this hope today. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, I want you to say this with me. It says, the Lord your God will change your heart. God will change your heart so that you will love him with all your heart and soul and that so you may live. And here's the hope that I want to give you today. I don't care what you struggle with in this world. I know people in this church that have been addicted to drugs, people that sold meth, people that if you saw their picture, you would just wonder who this person was. I've watched people get arrested, uh, a young man, in the, in the church parking lot. I'm driving up one day. He was coming to church, got arrested by undercover drug dealers, and today he's a dedicated Christian serving the Lord. I want to tell you the things that go on inside our hearts that we're not able to control, that, that somehow try to control us. I want to tell you there's a God in heaven that can change me from the inside and turn me into the person that he wants me to be. How many can say I believe that? Yeah, yeah. Well, why don't we do this right now? Why don't we just pray 
and ask God to change us. See, a lot of times we lose our hope and our confidence. Our shame gets a hold of us. Our guilt gets a hold of us. And we feel that we're too bad. But God can change us. Would you just close your eyes just a moment and if you would, just put your hand over your physical heart symbolizing a change on the inside. And I want you to pray this very simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, would you change me? I've not been able to change myself. There's things about me I don't like, and I know you don't like, but I ask you to change me. I ask you to give me new desires and new attitudes and a brand new heart in Jesus' name. Come on, tell your neighbor you can take off if you do that now and give the Lord a good hand this morning. Let's look at the next one, check number two on the checkoff list. It has to do with check off that our spiritual priorities are ready. Now, that's a very broad term, spiritual priorities. How many know church attendance? You're here this morning. We're thrilled you're here. Uh, I mean, no, that's a, that's a spiritual priority. I mean, no, a daily devotion time is a spiritual priority, where you open your Bible, where you read your Bible, where you pray. I mean, no, sharing your faith with other people. I mean, no, these are all spiritual priorities. But there's one that I want to look at in particular. It's about serving the Lord. And here's what I want to remind you the Bible teaches. Every one of us in this room today has special abilities that God has given us to serve Him. Everyone in this room has a capacity, has a desire, has a passion that God wants to activate in ministry. See, sometimes we think that the things that we're good at can't make a difference in the world. But of all the tens or hundreds of thousands of college and professional athletes there are in the world, when I say Tim Tebow, what comes to mind? John 3.16, a Christian who played football, who played baseball, but who made it a point to stand out and let people know. So he took what he was good at in the secular world, and he began to have a platform for serving the Lord. I want to show you a little picture here of a, of a young lady in our church. Her name is Shelly Sparks. Shelly taught a, a school in TISD in Queen City for 30 years. And uh, we have a ministry in our church, what's called My Zone. And my zone is a ministry for children that have some kind of disability, some kind of handicap. Uh, and if you can see, this is our, our new church building. We've actually got three rooms uh, over in our new building dedicated to kids that are like this. But you can see on the wall in one of her rooms, there's a little kid in a, in a, in a wheelchair on the right. And there's a little kid in, in uh, uh, crutches on the left. Well, I want to tell you, friends... I've been around some kids that have been had emotional disability or physical disability. I couldn't do it. i got to be honest with you. I couldn't do it. But something in her heart says, I want to serve these kids. I want to love these kids. And can I tell you what, friends? It will make a difference in kids' lives. Well, you've got something in your heart that God's equipped you to do. I talked to this young lady just the other day. And I said, where's your passion? Where's your, where do you feel God's called you to do? How do you serve the Lord? And she said, I want to help people get free from the devil's control in their life. I want to help people get delivered. I want to help people be able to break free from their addictions and the things that Satan uses to control them. And I asked her, I said, well, are you doing it? And she said, well, a little bit, but not too much because I, I, I'm just kind of so busy in life right now. I'm a mom. I've got kids. And how many know that's probably the greatest challenge for all of us is we're busy and distracted. 
And this is what I want to say to you for just a moment. As we get ready to check off and going to this new place, we've got to be willing to prioritize our life around the kingdom of God and make place for the Lord. There's a, there's a parable in the Bible. It was called the parable of the talents. I don't know if you remember it. But the talent was not a, an ability. It was not like an ability to throw a ball or anything like that. A talent was a measure of money. And some translations would say five bags of gold or two bags of silver or one bag. And when you read a parable in the Bible, it's a story in the natural that people can relate to that illustrates a spiritual truth. And in this story, uh, it starts out like this. Matthew 25, verse 19. Um, Jesus is in, is in the parable. He's the master. And he gives to some people five talents, one man two and one man one. And the object of the parable is two people used what God gave them and one person buried the talent. Well, in the story, Matthew 25, the guy that got five talents, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Now, who do you think this master in the parable represents? Yeah, it represents God on Judgment Day where God will judge us. And listen, friend, let me tell you this in case no one's ever told you before. One day you're going to stand before God and God's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with your talents, your abilities, and your resources? And here the guy joyfully comes back. The master comes back. Verse 20, the man who received five talents came forwards, brought five more, and said, Master, you've delivered to me five. I've got five more. And the master said, yeah, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the Lord to say that to me. When I look at Jesus in the first time, and we will one day, friends, every believing person will see Jesus face to face, and when Jesus looks at me, I hope he gets a big smile on his face. And I hope he says, John, I've been waiting a long time for this day. Well done. Come on, good and faithful servant. That motivates me. That drives me. Uh, it, it, it causes me, well, listen, you've been faithful over a little. I'm going to set you over much. It's like earth is like a warm-up. Enter the joy of your master. Now, the tragedy in this story is there was a man who had one talent, one bag of money, but he buried it in the ground. And here's what I want to tell you today, friends. For whatever reason, if you've not found a place in your life to serve the Lord, let's let our new transition to our new building be a time of new beginnings for you. Listen, I would suggest that even you might even want to come at, uh, at, at 1 o'clock and if, you, if any of those things that we saw on the screen, the training, and, and say, hey, look, I want to be involved, but I want to serve the Lord in some way. Uh, but here's something I know. We live complicated lives, and it's easy to get too busy to serve the Lord. How many can say that's me? That's what my friend and I were talking about the other day. She said, it's just hard having three kids and a husband. How many know that's like two full-time jobs right there? But all of us, when we look at our schedule, and I guess this is what I'm saying to you. When that pilot would check the airplane, if something wasn't right, he would make an adjustment. In other words, when the engineer went around and he checked the hydraulic system, and the hydraulic system wasn't working properly, he would open a valve a little bit more, or he would put in some more hydraulic fluid. And sometimes we have to make deliberate adjustments to our schedules so we'll be able to have this time and opportunity to serve the Lord. Um, our life is kind of like an iPhone. Uh, I, I love my iPhone, but I hate my iPhone. 
And I'll tell you why. They're going to put this on the screen over there. Uh, if you let your iPhone uh, remind you of things, uh, it's beeping and shivering and shaking and making noise 24-7. I mean, it is telling you somebody's on instant messenger and somebody else has sent you something on Facebook. Look, get to those things when you need to get to them, but at some point you need to say, look, I'm living my life. I'm not going to let somebody else control my life. I found just a few weeks ago, I was getting angry at myself because every two weeks I'd have a thousand emails. And I knew that in those emails, my OCD side would tell me there's probably three, four, five of them in there that are probably pretty important. So I would, I would literally go through my thousand emails and it would take me probably an hour. And I thought, this is ridiculous. Even though some of these things I solicited, I just started unsubscribing and I got it down to where it's about 200 every week. So, so what I did is I am, I am reprioritizing my life. I'm retaking control of my life. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing in your life so there can be time to serve the Lord. So when it's time to take off, come on, you'll be able to get in the air. Give the Lord a good hand, a good hand today. Now, uh, let me give you the third one. Before takeoff, I want to encourage you today, let's get our finances ready. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said this. Well, and this is about making a place for God in your budget for your tithes and offerings. That is for investing in God's kingdom. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, Don't store up treasures here on earth where the moth and rust destroys them and thieves break in and steal. But what did Jesus say in verse 20? Store your treasures in heaven. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't buy a house or you buy a car or clothes or go turkey hunting. Uh, but what it means is make a place for God. And when you make a place for God in your financial stewardship, in your budgeting, God notices that and it impacts your heart. Jesus said your heart will be where your treasure is. In other words, where, when something is important to me, I put money in it and I follow it. Now let me give you a couple of financial facts. And here's the first one. We'll never have enough money to do everything we want. How many are old enough to realize that's true? Because the more money you have, the more options you have to spend money. Right now, i got a pretty little place in the country. It's uh, 10 acres. Uh, it's mostly trees. Uh, it's got a pond and a garden, and I love it. And, and, and I, I don't even need a riding lawnmower. Listen, uh, Linnell can cut our grass and just with that push mower. And uh, now look, come on, what do you think of me? It has a mower on the thing. I mean, a motor on the thing. I mean, it turns. No, I cut, I cut my grass, but, but here's, let me give you an illustration. I love the outdoors. I love the farming life. I love animals. I love all those things. What if I had a dream and I had the ability one day and, and I bought a 1,000 acres of land? Because you see, at this point, I've never come up to my wife and said, Honey, I want a big John Deere tractor. If I had a big John Deere tractor, my garden is so small it could barely turn around in it right now. And I don't have any need for it. But if I got a 1,000 acres of land somewhere, I'd go to Linnell and I'd say, Honey, I need this tractor. I mean, if I have it, it'll make us money. And she says, Okay. And then I still go up to her and said, Well, honey, for us to make money, we have to have a disc and we have to have a harrow and we have to have a planter. And, 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 and honey, one day we're probably going to need to buy a combine. Are you with me today? And there's nothing wrong with any of these things. 
I'm just saying, though, the more money we have, the more options it gives us. And if we're not careful, we don't have anything left over in our world for God. His work. That's, and listen, God doesn't need our money. And you know what? The church is in a healthy place today. I'm not saying this because I want you to give us your money. We had a board meeting a couple days ago, and we were amazed that during a year of COVID, our church income increased and didn't decrease. Without begging? Did you get any begging letters this year? No, people were just being faithful stewards. And we're able to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars more. You're going to be impressed when you go in our new building. We were able to spend so much more simply because people were generous because they'd made a place for God in their budgets. Let me give you another financial fact. Uh, We can't take our money or possessions to heaven, but we can send them some of it in advance. And somehow... God attaches reward and blessing for our financial investment that we send to the Lord. Because when I die, listen, somebody else is going to get everything in my house. The first person that will have dibs is whoever marries Linnell. Actually, we have an agreement. That if I go before her, that... We're going to be like the ancient Egyptians in the pyramid, and she's going in the tomb with Pharaoh. Isn't that true, honey? She's thinking right now, he is so stupid. I don't know why he says that all the time. So he'll get the first dibs. My kids will get the rest of the dibs, and the lawyer that settles the estate will get the rest of it. You can't take anything with you. But there's an opportunity to live a balanced life where you enjoy this world, where you have vacations, where you have nice things, but you are continually using a part of what you have to invest in God's eternal kingdom. Listen, I promise you, you won't regret it. Let me give you one more financial fact, and that is our heart will follow our money. Jesus didn't say your, heart will, uh, uh, your treasure will be where your heart is. He said your heart will be where your treasure is. How many know if you love uh, bass fishing, what will, your, what, will, what, will, what will you buy? You'll buy your bass boat. Nothing wrong with bass boats. How about if you love jewelry, what will you buy? More jewelry, more diamonds. Nothing wrong with diamonds. Listen, if you have an extra, give it to my wife there. She'll wear it. Um, but if I love God, what will I do? I'll, I'll give to his work. And guess what? As I give to his work, it's as if my heart becomes more committed to him. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. If we put him in our budget, we'll never regret it. Let me give you another one here, the fourth one, before we take off. And I guess I want to speak this one in particular to people that are watching online. Um, Before we take off, let's get connected or reconnected to our church family. Now, let me read you a scripture, and then I want to, want to build a premise around this. Hebrews 10, uh, actually, I'm going to look at verse uh, uh, 25. He says, you should not, say it with me, stay away from the church meetings. You should not stay away in church meetings or with church people as some are doing, but you should meet together and encourage one another. And then the Bible says, do this even more as you see the day coming, or is the day of the second coming of Christ. Now, why is that? It's because the Bible teaches us before the second coming, the world is going to be a pretty dark and dangerous place. There's going to be hatred of believers, and we need each other to encourage each other. And we're all smart enough to know this. 
the isolation of COVID messed up our routines. I mean, it just threw everything up in the air. Uh, people started working from home. Uh, students went to school online, and I heard from many that didn't go too well. Uh, churches closed across America. Closed. Uh, my, uh, my wife's cousin's church in California just had the Supreme Court decide this week that they could actually meet together in their building, but only up to 20%. So they've been closed. We, we've been open since, what, June. They've not been able to meet together since uh, last, uh, last March. Uh, people got used to watching church online, and how many know online is better than nothing? But I want to tell you, friends, there's just something dynamic about being together. Now, listen, I, 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 I'm an affectionate person. Um, I like it when somebody comes up to me and just in an appropriate way just puts their arm around me or just tells me, hey, man, I love you. I miss you. I'm praying for you. Thank you for what you're doing. That means my TV can't do that for me. It cannot do it. Uh, when I watch online services, and I do, and I'm not knocking them at all. I mean, it's better than, better than nothing. But when I watch online services, I watched Pastor Cole last week when the, when the ice was on the ground, uh, and, and people will respond online, and they'll say, you know, I'm watching, and somebody says, I've got this special need, and then people put the little prayer hands up. Well, prayer hands are cool to be put up online, but I'd rather have somebody take me by the hand. Come on. <laughs> when I'm struggling, when I'm hurting, when I have a big problem, if I've got surgery, if I've got a bankruptcy, if I've got a divorce or whatever, Whatever the case is, I need somebody to take me by the hand and I need somebody to stand with me. And this is the body of Christ. This was the pattern of the early church. Acts 2.46, say this with me, they worship together. together. Uh, uh, now, you can have an online community and there's value in this. We're actually changing one of our pastor's job descriptions and going to make them our online pastor. In other words, so we can have more pastoral care for people who are not able to physically come to the church building. But they were worshiping together at the temple each day, and then they met in homes. This is the small groups. Uh, if you're regular in our church, you know we normally start small groups the 1st of February. We hadn't even started them yet because this COVID thing was so bad and people were afraid to open their homes. But uh, as soon as we get in our new building, we're going to start because we're going to have a, a, probably 10 of them that are meeting in our new building over there. See, something about the koinonia of believers coming together. They met in homes and they shared their meals. It's fellowship. It's a need every human being has and we need it as Christians. Now, let me say this in particular if you're watching on the live stream. I totally understand the need to avoid crowds with this thing called COVID. You, it, it might not have affected you bad, but I want to tell you what. I got COVID around Christmas, and it flat knocked me to the ground. I probably had 10 days. I couldn't get out of bed. I could not function. My wife was concerned. Uh, my, I was coughing all the time, and so they bought one of these little uh, meters, you know, that uh, checks your oxygen level in your finger. And uh, they got it from Amazon, and I think it was, might have been a cheap one. But I've got cold fingers, and, and, and my, my numbers were showing a little bit low. And uh, they not only had themselves scared, they had me scared and got my doctor scared. So he said, you need to go to the hospital. So I'm thinking, I'm going over to St. Michael's thinking that I'm going to spend my last days on the COVID ward. Now, how many understand what I'm talking about? I mean, it was a serious thing that happened, whether it impacted you seriously or not. So if you're watching online because you were concerned about your health, I fully understand. Don't beat yourself up and don't feel bad about it. But let me say this. 
If you've gotten out of the routine, out of uh, coming to church, things are changing. It's getting better. We get in that new building, we're going to have more room. But I want to tell you, if you're watching online, that we love you and we need you. And we can't wait for you to return when you're ready to be a part of the church. Come on, turn around and look at the camera and just tell them we love you and we need you. Look at the camera. Camera, get a shot at the people right now. We love you. And we want to see you and be a part of your life when you're ready. Come on, give the Lord a good hand this morning. Let me give you what I think is probably the most important thing to check before the takeoff, and it's this one. We need to get our prayer life ready. Now listen, if you've gotten distracted a little bit in the message, if you're thinking about Cracker Barrel or wherever, I want you to turn that off just a second, and I want you to hear this. There's a spiritual battle raging in America that wants to destroy what we hold dear. Let me say it again. There's a spiritual battle raging in America, and it has Bible-believing Christians in the crosshairs. You may not be aware of this, but uh, a, a congressman, his name is Congressman Nadler. You look him up this week. This week, he said, we don't need to be worried about God's will in Congress. We're not concerned about God's will in Congress. The House passed what's called the Equality Act. Now, what's happened in America today is the sexual revolution that started in the 60s has been building and taking on new dynamics, and it finds itself pitted against religious freedom. Doctors in America, if for conscience sake, because of religion, don't want to perform an abortion or a nurse, they're allowed the excuse not to, they don't have to do that. Uh, churches have had no pressure about who they want to marry up to this point. But now, the, the secular America, which unknowingly, I believe, is being motivated by an antichrist spirit, they're basically, in the Equality Act, have said this sexual freedom trumps religious freedom. It specifically excludes the Religious Freedom Restoration Act that was passed a number of years ago. And here's the kind of things that it deals with. It's going to make federal law, if it passes the Senate and the President would likely sign it, it would make federal law that an individual can choose their restroom, can choose their shower, can choose their locker room. If I'm a 15-year-old biological boy, I can legitimately say uh, under law, protection of law, that I'm a girl and I want to go in the girl's restroom and it's nothing that you can do about it if your kids go to school there. If you're in a homeless shelter, you're a biological male, you can go into a woman's shelter and there's nothing that can be done about it. Uh, kids in transition, this affects not, uh, it affects marriage. If you have dared to speak out for traditional marriage, you're in the crosshairs. Um, I even read that, uh, that uh, uh, chemical castration for young boys that believe the girls will be done. Now think about that. Do you think an eight-year-old boy, little boy, biological boy that's confused, why they call it gender confusion, do you think he's ready to make a decision like that? And in case you think a doctor's uh, going to be exempt, no, not no, can lose their license if they don't fail to prescribe puberty-blocking drugs, even though the science doesn't support all this. This is happening. It covers the sphere of abortion. It covers everything else that's going on. And this is not the only thing. How many know there's violence on our streets? Like, I don't know that I've seen in my lifetime. Uh, right now, they're rioting again in Portland, and they're destroying businesses, and nobody does anything. How many know the hatred has uh, the hatred on social media is horrible? I mean, it's like there's no, there's no sense of courtesy and common respect. 
Well, do you know this kind of stuff cannot just be stopped by politics? It cannot just be stopped by Christian activism, but it demands the place of prayer. Come on now. Your prayers and my prayers, our personal prayers and our corporate prayers praying together to push back evil that's in the world and the people that are entrapped in this, that they might come to Christ and find what they're looking for. But you see, you can be all fired up about this and fired up about making a difference, but you won't do anything without prayer any more than you can't hear me. is off. But when you turn the microphone of prayer on, come on now, and you say, you say we struggle sometimes, my wife and I, about, about the state of America and how we seem to be going towards you call it what you like, socialism, communism, individual freedoms are being lost. I mean, something is going on in America, and God has not stopped it, and it almost makes you want to quit praying sometimes. Well, here's what I want to tell you. Don't quit praying. Now is the time to elevate our prayer life. Now is the time to be strong in the place of prayer and not weak. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Let me remind you, Ephesians 6, our fight is not against people on earth, but against the powers of, of, of evil in the heavenly realms. He talks about the, uh, the armor of God, and then he says, pray in the Spirit. Everybody say pray. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. Be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. And this is my challenge to you on your spiritual checkoff list. God wants us as Christians to grow up spiritually, to be mature. And part of that means that we are having a daily prayer time with God and we are bombarding the gates of hell in our prayer and we're coming together as a corporate body. Listen, we've got a dedicated prayer room in this new building. Twenty-four. It's going to be open 24 hours a day. We'll have a half a dozen prayer meetings going on. Let's get together and pray and make a difference in Texarkana, USA. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand. Now I'm going to close with this last point. It's before takeoff. Let's get ready and leave the past behind. Have you noticed often on airplanes, uh, particularly smaller airplanes, they'll say, we've reached, reached our weight limit. We can't, uh, we can't take any more cargo on. We're too heavy or we can't take off. Well, there's some things that we need to leave behind, good and bad. Now, I want you to listen to what Paul said. Paul the Apostle said this in uh, the book of Philippians. He's talked about, if you read the chapter, he talked about the good things he's done in his life and he talked about the bad things. But listen to what he said. He said, I've not arrived at my goal, but I press on. I focus on this one thing. He's fixing to elevate something. And what's he say? Forgetting the past. Forgetting the good and forgetting the bad. As a church, we've done a lot of, uh, we have really done a lot of great things in, in our community and around the world for Christ. But it's time to let that go and it's time to take a new start as we go to this place. Forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. I press on. Everybody say press on. Press on. I press on to reach the end of the race. And this is why I'm speaking to you as a mature Christian, asking the question, are you pressing on so you'll receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ is calling us? I'm closing with this thought today, and it's simply this. The church needs to leave behind our successes and not rest on them. 
Uh, I made the illustration last service of Pastor Zach. I, I don't know about you, but uh, his, uh, he and the worship team made a, oh, I don't know what you call it. We don't use CDs anymore, but they made a collection of songs, and they printed some CDs, and now it's all digital. It's downloaded on my phone. How long ago was that? Oh, it was much longer than a year. Two years. It was a while back. And he could just kind of say, boy, we've got a church album. Some of you don't even know what an album is. Some of you can't bend back this far either. Ha, ha, ha. But he can't do that. That young man has done more to bring our building to pass. Listen, I mean, we've got a few key individuals. The technology in that building, he has just done an outstanding job. I want you to give him a, a big hand. His dog's nearly left him. His wife's nearly left him, but it's almost finished, and, and he's going to get, some, he's gonna get some, some, some comp time to get caught up here after it's over. But listen, at some point in time, he's got to re-engage the race, and he says, it's too much good going on here to keep it to ourselves. Well, all of us need to get in that position. It doesn't matter what I've done. It matters what I'm going to do. And let me say one more thing. There's another kind of weight I've got to leave behind. It's not the good things I've done, but my hurts and my offenses. Now, listen to me on this one. You remember when Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer about forgiveness? After Jesus told us to forgive, he said these words. He says, if you forgive people their sins, God will forgive you. But if you don't forgive... This is scary. God won't forgive you. And here's what happens. We get our feelings hurt. Maybe we get divorced. Maybe a, a pastor lets us down. Maybe something. Who knows what happens in life? How I many know life just happens? I mean, Forrest Gump knew that. Life happens. Life happens to all of us, and we can either hold it inside or turn it over to God. And here's what I know. If you hold it inside, you become a bitter person, and you squelch the grace of God in your life. And all the potential that you have is kinked like a hose. And I want to encourage you in this. I'll probably develop this theme more in our new series it, it, when we go over to our new building. But it's, it's, it's time in life to let the past go. It's time to bless our enemies. It's time to bless our ex. No matter what somebody does to us, listen, I don't want to hold them in judgment around their neck. I want to let him go so God can flow freely through me. Come on, give him a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet, and we're going we're gonna to close today. But I want you to see yourself now. Don't go to the Cracker Barrel yet. I want you to see yourself with that checkoff list. And I want you to bow your head just a moment. And I want you to take a moment and ask yourself, what did the Holy Spirit say to me today? The pastor talked about a lot of things today, but what was it that the Holy Spirit put his finger on in my life where I'm not ready? We talked about our hearts. And maybe you're here today and maybe your heart is hardened or your heart is divided. That's the absolute starting place, not by obligation but motivated by love that I want to love Jesus more. I want to be very deliberate about putting Him first. I want to get my heart right with God, and I want my priorities to be in order. I'm going to make sure that I'm reading my Bible and praying. I want to make sure that, that uh, 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 I'm finding a place to serve the Lord. I believe God spoke to many of us on that one. It's time to get our finances in order. 
It's time to get connected and reconnected with other people in the body of Christ. It's time to get my prayer life strong again so God can use me and hear the roar that comes from the place of prayer. And it's time to let the past go. So Holy Spirit, would you just help us? Come on, slip your hands to heaven. Help us, Holy Spirit. All a pilot has to do is hit a button. But we've got layers of emotion. We've got layers of self-indulgence and layers of selfishness. So many things. But Holy Spirit, we just ask you to take charge of our life. And we ask you to be in the driver's seat. That you're the pilot of the ship and we're the co-pilot. And we're simply going along with you. So would you just fill us afresh, Holy Spirit? Would you forgive us for those things that have been a hindrance in our life just as we forgive other people who've sinned against us? And we pray, Lord, that you would pour out your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of praise. I love you, and we'll stay in touch this week by those text messages. God bless you. Amen. As we close, our prayer team is going to be up here, and they'll pray with you about anything. But a couple reminders, we've got our volunteer meeting at the new place at 1 o'clock. But also, if you're a guest here, if you fill out that little card in the back of your chair and stop in the foyer and drop it off there, they got a gift for you to recognize your visit and give you any more information you might want. But as we close, I want to ask you a question. Somebody asked me, April 14, 1984. They just, in a little chapel service, they said, if you died today, would you go to heaven or hell? I had to kind of, it caught me a little bit, and I thought, wow, I, you know, how do you get to heaven? Maybe do more good than bad. Maybe I talked my way in. I was trying to kind of weigh it all out. And he just said some things real simple, that God loved me and had a plan for my life. And I want to remind you, if you're here today, it's not by accident. God wants to remind you he loves you. He has a plan for your life. But number two, we're separated from God because of our sin. There's a big gap there. We can't go to heaven because of our sin, and we've all sinned. Third thing, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Through him, we know and experience God's love and plan. I knew that through Sunday school, but the last thing I had never heard, and this is the challenge, you have to individually ask him into your life. And I realized that day I had to do that, and they asked me to raise my hand, and I just, if I wanted to ask Christ in my life, I remember raising my hand, and no angel showed up to give me a high five, and there was no bolt of lightning. But God did something on you. He got on the inside of my life and began to change me. It's about having a personal relationship. So if you're here today and you're not sure where you'd spend eternity, I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask the Lord to come live in your heart and change you and help him realize that plan he has for you and begin to have a peace in your life you might not have. So if you're here, not sure where you'd spend eternity, want to get right with God, you've gotten off track or never asked him in your life, would you just hold your hand long enough so we can say a prayer with you before you go? Don't want anybody to leave here not knowing. Amen. If that's you, just stop by that cross on that cross. Who took the cross? It's gone. No, it'll be at our new building. It's already up there. But just come to the altar and just, just take a step away from your old life and come meet with one of us. And we'll just say a prayer for a new beginning. Amen. So we're going to sing one more song. Prayer team, come on up as you leave. You can drop your offerings off and you can... Uh, hopefully see some of you at the new building here in just a moment.